Hey, Star Wars fans, this is Ro from the ever-imperial, always sunny Scarif podcast. Recently, it's come to our attention that there's been a security leak here on Scarif Station. I call on all our Imperial agents to be vigilant and to scan the holonet for news and rebel rumblings. I call upon you to access the Jedi Temple Archives podcast for the latest in Star Wars news. Again, this is Ro from the Scarif Podcast, and that's the Scuttlebutt. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Only members of the Jedi Council are allowed access. Guarding the holocrons is one of the most important duties a Jedi can be given. Do you think you're up to the task? Welcome to another episode of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. I'm your host, Rob, and we are recording this episode on Tuesday, July 7th, 2020. All right, so for this week's episode, I have got Ro from the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast back with us. Oh, no, not again. Again. I know. it's You're, you're becoming my regular co-host. Uh, I've got Tom out on the West Coast who is uh, making a trip to Florida to pick up his stepson. So Ro is uh, stepping is he in taking, here. Is he taking the long way? He, no, he's, the West Coast heading to Florida? And yeah, he's taking the long way. Oh, okay. Excellent. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Ro had brought up a topic uh, that we wanted to delve into, and so that's what we're going to be doing here today, and it's basically going to center around Yoda and his decision to make Ahsoka Anakin's Padawan, uh, and whether that was a mistake or not, and we've touched on this a little bit in the past, but uh, before we jump into that, Ro, thank you so much for joining us once again here on the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. Hey, it's always a pleasure to uh, come by here and sit and chat all things Star Wars on uh, the JTA. Always a pleasure, and it's mine. So thank you for giving me that uh, that uh, privilege. Yeah, well, while I got you here, why don't, with you. why don't you go ahead and plug the upcoming event we've got in Chicago. Uh, we'll make sure we get that out of the way first and foremost so that our listeners out there who may be within striking distance of the greater Chicagoland area can uh, hopefully come out and join us. That would be fantastic. We are very excited, and uh, I know we've been talking about it for probably a year. We've been trying to plan something uh, since the last ScarifCon uh, here in Chicago, which was ScarifCon 2019. We had such a wonderful event hosted by our friends over at Alley Cat Comics in Andersonville, and uh, you know, just to 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 make things even more fun, uh, we 
had live uh, live podcast uh, on that event. We're going to do that again this year, but this year is going to be a little different. We are going to be hosting uh, actor from The Mandalorian, Dominic Pace, who plays Gecko, and uh, we cannot be more excited for many reasons. One, uh, the folks at Alley Cat have been uh, stupendous hosts. For our event, and we're going to do that again outside safely. Um, obviously, through everything that we're uh, the the entire world is going through. But uh, uh, Alley Cat Comics has offered again to host uh, our event. Uh, Dominic Pace is making his way cross country with his son. Um, you know, signing autographs and and taking pictures and meeting his fans. Uh, obviously, uh, folks, uh, we're hoping that you all know him from The Mandalorian. He is one of the bounty hunters, and uh, I cannot be uh, more excited. Uh, you're coming back down to Chicago to uh, engage in uh, Star Wars debauchery, and I can't wait for that. And uh, it is July 19th. Sunday, July 19th, in uh, less than 10 days. We are very excited. Yeah, and that'll be from uh, 2 to 5 p.m., correct? Central that is correct. Standard uh, time. 2 to 5 Central Standard Time here in the Windy City. And uh, if you are within the sound of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast, if you guys can head down to the Chicago area, that would be fantastic. But even better... If anybody comes dressed up as Gecko, you guys get an extra prize because that would be phenomenal. So come on down and join us. ScarifCon 2020 with Dominic Pace. I will, uh, I'll go back into the Jedi Temple and reset the emergency recall beacon with the, uh, the coordinates for Alley Cat Comics there in Chicago. Uh, we had a great time there last November. This is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're not going to be in a deep free state, I don't think. Uh, although if it's anything like it has been, we may burst into fire. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's a great location. It's Celine and the crew there at Alley Cat Comics. They were great hosts last year and we had a lot of fun. So, uh, I know for me, Dominic and I were talking quite a bit last year. Uh, we did an interview with him. I know he was kind of doing the podcast circuit. Uh, I had a chance to meet up with him out when I was out in, uh, Anaheim, California, uh, not too far from his location there in Hollywood, California. And, uh, it just didn't work out for our schedules, but, uh, this is going to be a great way to do it. It's going to be, uh, going to be a good time. So if you are within striking distance of Andersonville uh, neighborhood there in Chicago, definitely come out and uh, and meet up with us. We're going to have some prizes and uh, it'll be a great chance to meet someone who worked on the Mandalorian, which had to be a pretty cool experience. Uh, if you haven't seen any of the Disney Plus gallery series, they cover the making of that pretty extensively. And the technology they use there is just incredible uh, with uh, what they call the volume and that whole LCD uh, backdrop that they we're basically shooting what looked like on location from a soundstage out there in California. Very fascinating stuff. And uh, let's not forget, uh, we're also going to have uh, our other Red 5 family members, WSTR. We've got Todd coming in and uh, Heather and uh, hopefully uh, the, the rest of the crew from WSTR. So we're very excited. Absolutely. So really looking forward to, to getting together with you and certainly the the folks from WSTR Galactic Public Access. Uh, again, part of the group that we had such a great time with. We'll miss you. We'll miss Yoshi and uh, and your uh, former co-host and still time to time co-host Alex. Uh, but uh, definitely going to be a great crew out there. So uh, we will uh, wrap that up and we are going to move on now to our main topic, which is, as I mentioned earlier, Yoda and his decision to assign Ahsoka 
to Anakin as his Padawan. Uh, and that entire relationship was really encompassed primarily within the Clone Wars series. Uh, and so, you know, we talked a few episodes ago about Yoda's culpability in the fall of the Jedi Order. Uh, and there's certainly any number of things that really you could look at during that time. He was the Grand Master of the Jedi Order. He was ultimately uh, responsible for the direction that that, that order was taking. Uh, and so it's very interesting to take a, a scenario where Anakin, at the point that Ahsoka is initially assigned to him as a Padawan, is not far removed from being a Padawan himself. Uh, is as recently as the end of Attack of the Clones, right? So, uh, you know, Yoda putting this responsibility, this burden on Anakin at that young age, I, I do think there was reason for it, but uh, certainly had some danger associated with it as well, uh, especially given Anakin's penchant for attachment. That's true. You know, uh, we talked uh, a couple of episodes ago. We had two really great uh, episodes on The Empire Strikes Back. We uh, talked about how important Yoda is as a character, and obviously his actions uh, were very influential, um, you know, no matter what trilogy um, you are looking at. So uh, I, I did want to uh, caution um, our uh, listeners, too, because I, I didn't want to intimate that uh, the fall of the Republic was all Yoda's fault. But uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it is interesting to kind of dissect um, the role that uh, Yoda played as, you know, I, I did that with Brad as far as the, the role that Qui-Gon played and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and obviously you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, being able to take a look at uh, the historical elements of that story coming forward, uh, we can kind of, you know, pick it apart at this point in time and just kind of, you know, figure out uh, what could have been done differently or better, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, yeah, that being said, I mean, you know, the choice to allow Anakin, who, like you said, was already a Padawan of Obi-Wan's uh, uh, during the Clone Wars to take on a Padawan himself. Um, you know, I'm wondering, you know, what Yoda's uh, ultimate goal was uh, as far as doing that. Uh, you know, Ahsoka came onto the scene, you know, pretty, you know, um, I, I want to say during time when, uh, you know, the Clone Wars was, um, you know, they were fighting hard. They were fighting hard. And, it's uh, something that's kind of a curious thing to be able to uh, make that decision. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on, on that. Why would, why would Yoda do that? And, you know, the, for me, the first thing that comes to mind is that he wanted Anakin to learn something, not only, you know, learn how to be uh, a more responsive student for Obi-Wan, but maybe through, um, through Ahsoka's actions, because, you know, Ahsoka at first was also a little bit um, uh, arrogant, a little bit too sure self, uh, you know, maybe Yoda's purpose was to kind of show Anakin uh, to back that off and then to see himself in her um, and then in turn be a better student. Uh, and then that obviously would allow him to be a better uh, teacher, better instructor for uh, Ahsoka. 
What are your thoughts on on that? Well, uh, you know, first and foremost, I, I don't think that there's an issue with with Anakin being a Padawan uh, at the time that he takes on Ahsoka. I know that it's kind of a gray area because it's not really addressed directly within the Clone Wars. It's not really direct uh, directly associated to any of the films either. Uh, my understanding is that during the initial uh, 2003 version of the Clone Wars, um, which were kind of the early episodes prior to the the more commonly known animated series, uh, is kind of when he makes that transition from a Padawan to a Jedi Knight. So he is still uh, kind of associates himself with with uh, with Obi Wan as as his learner throughout the Clone Wars, but he's not officially a, a Padawan at that point. So there's really no issue within the Jedi Order for him having a Padawan. I, I certainly think that Yoda was well within his rights to assign Ahsoka to him. And I actually think that there's a lot of uh, very good reasons that that Yoda did what he did in assigning Ahsoka to Anakin. And I think it goes exactly to the point you just made. She was very impulsive. She was very strong-willed. Um, in a lot of ways, that was part of the issue that the Jedi were having with Anakin was that he, you know, and Obi-Wan certainly uh, could speak to that, that that Anakin very much had a mind of his own and was kind of known for going off on on his own and creating a plan on the fly. And uh, I think that part of the intent of what Yoda did by assigning him Ahsoka was to give him someone who he would have to temper. And in doing so, he might become more cognizant of his own disposition uh, to actually behave that way himself. And it's interesting that that, you know, that was the path that Yoda took. But at the same time, uh, I think that Yoda was kind of treating some of the symptoms of the bigger issue of Anakin, which was his attachment, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and I think that is really what Palpatine leverages to ultimately make Anakin fall to the dark side of those attachments. And really by assigning him Ahsoka, he just, you know, Yoda has just created another attachment, uh, which can be leveraged to uh, further manipulate Anakin. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I guess that's the uh, that's the fine print right. in all of this. You know, uh, I, I know you and I, we, we uh, frequently talk about the Anakin's influences, uh, the uh, female, um, you know, roles in, in his life. Obviously, Ahsoka is is one major one, as we find out as Ahsoka's character uh, progresses and uh, develops throughout, uh, you know, throughout the series. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean... You, you hit it on the nose, really, uh, the uh, attachment that he feels uh, and, you know, getting down to the basics, uh, you know, one might argue that uh, perhaps the overall message or the overall, I guess, uh, theory of Jedi's not allowing themselves to, to have any attachment uh, might be kind of a stumbling block uh, for all Jedi, but... Uh, we can't know that for sure because obviously the Jedi have been guardians of the peace for eons and generations up until, you know, Papa Palps uh, took over and started manipulation of, uh, of, of how that, you know, that story unfolds. So um, I'm not uh, ready to discard the entire notion uh, and uh, philosophy of the Jedi just yet, uh, just because uh, we see that at this juncture. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but uh, but that's just me. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think that when we're watching the films and, and watching the Clone War series, it's really a microcosm. Uh, it's happening all within the span of, you know, 10 years maybe um, from, well, maybe a little bit longer. But, uh, you know, from the, the Phantom Menace to the events of um, 
Revenge of the Sith. And when you consider the fact that the Jedi had been guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy for a thousand years prior to that, um, they they really had a great track record of following their dogma. Uh, they didn't really have a lot of reason to change that way of thinking. Um, and it's interesting when you when you look at Yoda and, and some of the things that we've talked about in the past. Uh, it is completely normal. He, he'd been with the Jedi Order uh, at that point for the better part of 800 plus years. Uh, and really, all the Jedi were totally reliant on the Force to kind of get a read on the situations and the scenarios that they were encountering. And as they mentioned in the films, you know, their connection with the Force has been diminished uh, through the actions of Palpatine and the rise of the dark side. So, so, you know, one of the, it's like having one of your senses taken away and they're not adept at reading situations visually or through body language uh, when, when they had been relying on the force pretty heavily prior to that. So uh, it's understandable that they would miss some of the cues and some of the warnings. But um, when you look at, when you look at the situation with Anakin and his attachment, it, one of the questions that comes to mind is, his mother, you know, that we know that she was a major factor. The fact that she was uh, basically taken by the Tuscan Raiders and, and killed, and that triggered one of Anakin's early dark side uh, kind of tantrums there in, in uh, Attack of the Clones. Um, it kind of makes you wonder why the Jedi hadn't gone in there and, you know, paid to have her freed and, and put her in a situation maybe uh, where she wouldn't be quite so easy for Anakin to find. Um, given the fact that he was such a special case that he was brought in at an age where he did know his parents, uh, or at least his mother at that point, um, you know, there, there are things that they potentially could have done to make it a little bit more difficult for him to reconnect with her and potentially put her in a safer spot. Um, but that really wasn't their way. I think they were used to just taking the children from the homes. And at that point, what happened to the family was kind of outside of their purview. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely kind of an interesting thing what uh, what uh, has uh, gone on, I guess, for for centuries. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, getting back to Yoda, um, you know, I was talking to some buddies of mine and they were really talking about how the, you know, not only was it a mistake to um, to leave Ahsoka with with uh, with Anakin um and again, that could be argued, but uh, there's other things that Yoda did that might have uh, put a stumbling block on 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 everything. Um, you know, everything from being so. You know, Yoda and 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 the Jedi talk about the uh, Sith thinking in as absolutes. Um, yet uh, Yoda tells Luke, uh, you know, do or do not. There is no try. Um, so certain, certain things like that, keeping Luke's, uh, family lineage a secret for whatever reason, uh, you know, in order to, um, I guess help fulfill, uh, the role that he had to either get rid of the Sith completely by destroying, you know, Vader, his father, um, uh, you know, you can't deny that once Luke realized that Vader was his father, uh, the, the the idea, the notion of killing Vader uh, for Luke just went out the window and he wanted to do something a little different than what uh, uh, Yoda and uh, and Obi-Wan wanted to do. So it's, um, you know, it, it was was that a mistake? Uh, do we are there more reasons uh, that are hidden beneath the surface that that we don't know of yet? 
um, what were Yoda's clear goals with those decisions, with those decisions. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure we're ever going to find out. And at this point, uh, you know, what happened happened and uh, there's no going back unless (laughs) we find a portal in the world between worlds in the world between worlds. But uh, yeah, that's the, that's another interesting notion. Uh, You know, I, I, a while ago I posted that, um, that uh, idea about the world between worlds and uh, you know, for, for me, you know, I, I don't think time travel uh, will play well in a star Wars universe. Uh, I think the way that uh, rebels handled it, uh, by pretty much, you know, letting people know it's not as easy as a time travel where you, uh, you know, pull your hand in and, and, uh, snatch somebody from their, uh, you know, their current timeline. It's, right. it's not that easy. So, uh, I think there, I, I think we won't get that, but, um, yeah, it's, you know, uh, would have, could have, should have, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, it's all interesting stuff. Yeah, I don't disagree about the time travel. I think that uh, as much as I loved the Marvel, you know, Infinity War and Endgame uh, finale to the the first four or three phases of the Marvel timeline, the issue that I had was I didn't really like the way that they handled time travel and Endgame. Um, and I think that's always going to be an issue. No matter what you do, there's going to be someone who's going to find a reason to pick that apart. It kind of undoes the the weight of sacrifices and deaths and things like that, that happen. Um, and I know it's really common in comic books, which is why Marvel would go that route. But I don't, despite the fact that there are plenty of star Wars comics out there, um, you know, that's not really the origin of star Wars and, and I don't see it going that direction. Um, you know, with regard to why Yoda made certain decisions, I, I think that, um, he always understood that, you know, he was flawed as a, as a person or as a being, um, and he knew that he wasn't always going to make the right decision. He had to do, you know, what he thought was the right thing within the moment. And certainly he had plenty of times where, you know, he made mistakes as well. So, um, it's interesting that you bring up the point though, about the, you know, the do or do not, there is no try and the Sith dealing in absolutes because, uh, you know, there is a, there is a big question to be had there. Um, I guess, you know, he would have, he would have just seen it from the standpoint of, you know, do what you feel like is right it may work out. It may not. Um, but yeah, that is, uh, that is definitely an absolute in and of itself. Mysterious, isn't it? Quite. So, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, flipping through some, uh, notes here, you know, an- another thing that, uh, Yoda seems to do, which causes, uh, Anakin additional trauma is, uh, the, uh, ignoring Anakin's original trauma when he was pulled from his mother during the, um, during, uh, the prequel trilogy. Right. And, uh, obviously, you know, we know that Jedi council were taking babies from their families as soon as they sensed that there was some sort of force abilities to, to train them, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, you know, Anakin was, uh, was not a baby. He still had memories of his mother. He still had that attachment. And, um, that obviously worked against him uh, later in life. Uh, you know, he talked, Yoda tells him fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Um, but you know, as a, as a young child, uh, I think fear is embedded because it's 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 the unknown. Right. And when, uh, you know, you tell a child to not be afraid, um, you know, obviously, as a parent, you want to try to back that up. But I guess in real life, you know, 
you can tell a child to to stop being afraid, but uh, it's it's not going to happen because the kid doesn't know anything. Right. Yeah, and you know it's interesting because I can understand why the Jedi wouldn't really know how to handle a situation like Anakin. Their their dogma was that you know you take the child early. They don't know their parents. They don't have that attachment. Uh, they come to the Jedi Temple at an age where they're very impressionable, uh, and they kind of get you know that Jedi philosophy imprinted on them. And uh, you know when we do see scenarios where they either in Anakin's case know their parents coming in. Or a situation like Count Dooku, uh, who, based on you know what we find out in Dooku Jedi Lost, uh, he actually runs into his sister uh, at a later age when he's still uh, pretty young. But you know he becomes uh, aware of the fact that he does have family there on Sereno, and that then drives a lot of things that happen to him in his fall to becoming Darth Tyrannus. Um, you know that that attachment to family uh is then kind of in conflict with their loyalty and their duty to the jedi order uh but how many times did the jedi really have to deal with that type of scenario um not many if if you take just what we know from you know the comics and the books and the animated series uh and the films themselves so i don't think it was really something they knew especially how to handle that. And I do think, you know, when I take a look at, at the benefits that occurred from Ahsoka being paired with Anakin, uh, Ahsoka was really the one that, that gained most of the benefits of that. I mean, the independence that she learned from Anakin, uh, and the, the mindset of do what you feel is right, despite, you know, what the Jedi are necessarily telling you to do is what gave her the strength to walk away from the order during the Clone Wars when, you know, she felt like the Jedi had lost faith in her when they should have really trusted her uh, to, you know, to be what they had trained her to be, which was, uh, you know, a Jedi that follows the the rules of the Order. Uh, and that loss of faith uh, that they had in her really showed her that there was something going on with the Jedi that, that was not right at that particular point in time. She was able to walk away, and ultimately that's why she survives, and we see her kind of uh, in Rebels and, and a number of other instances. Apparently, potentially, we're going to be seeing her in The Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah, and I can't wait for that. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, interesting. You know, in retrospect, it seems like Yoda doesn't have uh, the uh, such a, uh, a knowledge of, of human psychology as far as advice goes, I mean, he chastises Luke for being reckless, claiming that the Jedi don't seek out adventure and excitement. However, you know, the adventure and excitement, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the things that humans are hardwired for. Um, you know, we see it uh, all the time. Uh, and obviously those traits are what drives um, uh, a story uh, moving forward. And especially in Star Wars, but uh, yeah, without this uh, sense of explorations, uh, humans would not uh, advance as a species. But what do you think about uh, about the notion that uh, Yoda just doesn't know what it's like to be human? Is that uh, would you think that that's part of his failing? Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about Yoda is he is the only species that we're aware of within the Star Wars universe that we really don't know that species or its origin or anything about it. I mean the fact that Mandalorian season one deals with the fact that a child of that particular species at age 50 is still a, a baby. Uh, no one would have thought that prior to, to seeing that within the Mandalorian. So 
um, you know, Yoda and his species are a complete unknown. And as a byproduct, I think that, you know, their kind of their views on how other species operate and kind of interrelate um, is a big unknown. Now, certainly from what we've seen, uh, when it, especially when it comes to dealing with humans, there are certain blind spots that Yoda has. Uh, and I think it's interesting going beyond just Yoda. Uh, you know, you look at Yoda talking about uh, talking to Anakin about having him spy on the on the Chancellor. Uh, that decision was made by the Jedi Council. You have to believe that Yoda was uh, was a complicit in that. Um, and anyone on that Jedi Council should have been able to understand the fact that Anakin had an attachment to Palpatine, which they were leveraging, uh, but which would have gone totally against his nature. Uh, and that there was a lot of risk in doing that, yet they still went down that path. Um, and with regard to Anakin and, and his emotions and the things that Yoda was trying to temper, it's interesting because you've got kind of uh, Yoda's counterpart there on the Jedi Council being Mace Windu, who had a fighting style, which was the only one that stood up to Palpatine up until the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, he was the only person really in the galaxy that that ever was in a position where they potentially had Palpatine on the ropes and it was because he had this Vapod fighting style uh, where he did use all of his emotions uh, he just kept them kind of tightly leashed but he uh, you know the, his emotion was what allowed him to compete with Palpatine uh, so the Jedi Council should have been aware that you know there were reasons for emotion to come into play uh, certainly discipline was involved as well and Anakin wasn't one to display a lot of discipline. Um, but, uh, you know, they're trying to, as you said, trying to, trying to weed things out of him that are just natural human emotions. And one of the things that, uh, again, I, I would temper to say that, uh, the Jedi, you know, like we said at the beginning, were guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy for many, many, you know, thousands of, of, of years prior to, you know, us kind of coming along this story. Um, but it, it really does kind of also give you the idea that uh, Palpatine uh, as a character was a very powerful character to be able to, I don't know, just uh, block the senses of the rest of the Jedi Council or manipulate in such a way that causes so much confusion. I mean, you know, there are Jedis out there that uh, maybe sense that and try to um, you, you know, put the puzzle pieces together, like obviously like uh, Qui-Gon. Um, later, you know, we obviously see Ahsoka kind of wanting to leave the Jedi Order, which she did, and kind of think about what went wrong. I think at, at the point where she left the Jedi Order, she wasn't really absolutely sure what was going on with the Jedi order or with her, with herself, her own feelings about being a Jedi. Uh, she starts to question that as well. So, um, I guess in short, you know, let's not put all the blame on the Jedi master here. Um, we, we do understand that, uh, that Palpatine was a powerful foe, uh, you know, running things behind the scenes. So with regard to, you know, Palpatine and, and his, the culmination of the grand plan of the Sith. And I know you, you guys on Scarif have done some episodes about the rule of two and uh, you know, that certainly plays into it. So it had been essentially a thousand year period where the Sith had been hiding uh, where there was only two, the master and the apprentice uh, and then the asterisk about all the people that they kind of had under the, under the covers there uh, that they were training despite uh, the other person. So uh, 
but Drake Alpine was was another link in the chain that led to the moment where the Sith were basically going to reveal themselves and overthrow the Jedi. Uh, and I think it's interesting to note that uh, there there has been talk, and it, you know it's considered part of canon that there was a Sith temple uh, that had been missed when Jedi Temple got constructed. Uh, that was kind of under Jedi Temple, and and they were the Jedi had essentially decided uh, that they were kind of capping this nexus of right energy with their temple. Uh, and so clearly played into some of their diminished ability to use the force. I think it'd be interesting to call if it was ever dealt with in these and six of the clone wars, but we have that arc where uh, Palpatine and Dooku attempt to turn Yoda to the dark side. Uh, and that takes within appears to be a Sith temple kind of over a, a Sith, um, you know, altar of some sort. And uh, I'd be really interested to know where the Sith temple was. Was that the hidden Sith temple underneath the Jedi temple? Uh, I think that would be a really interesting to explore. You know, the other thing, too, is that uh, Yoda seems to just ignore a lot of things that are going on in Anakin's mind. Um, obviously, he ignored uh, Anakin's feelings, his trepidations, uh, all the things that he was going through. He starts to slide down the dark path um, when Ahsoka gets to a point where she's starting to question things. Um, you know, what does Yoda do? He uh, he kicks her out of the Jedi Council. Um and uh, I'm not sure that was uh, the best move as well. Yeah, I mean, certainly the fact that, that she had been uh, a loyal Jedi, she had been such an integral part of what was going on within the Clone Wars, uh, that she was, you know, someone who he had basically handpicked to kind of, uh, you know, be a person who not only was going to learn under Anakin, but was going to hopefully temper him. Uh, and it was very surprising during that arc, uh, I believe it was at the end of, uh, season five of Clone Wars, where, uh, you know, the the bombing occurred at the Jedi Temple and, and the Jedi were so quick to kind of side with Palpatine and uh, and throw Ahsoka out of the order um, pending, you know, the, the results of that trial. And very unusual to see them kind of cede that kind of authority to uh, the Chancellor and the and the Republic, but again, it goes right back to some of the problems that the Jedi had specifically as an order, which was their attachment to the Republic and and the fact that they were so vested in the survival of the Republic to the point where their temple was built uh, so close to the the Senate district. Um, it, you know, it's it's ironic, I guess, that you'd have an order that talks so strongly about attachment to the point where Yoda was basically putting Ahsoka in there uh, to kind of weed out some of his his less desirable uh, traits, and yet the Jedi are displaying the height of attachment by tying themselves to the Republic. Yeah, that is definitely another topic for a deeper cut episode, The Errors of the Jedi. And uh, I know Brad and I were uh, kind of toying with that, with that idea. Um, we get distracted by shiny things and never got to it, but uh, maybe um, that could definitely be a uh, mega crossover episode with uh, Jedi Temple Archives. Yeah, and I think therein lies the problem with most of Star Wars. You start talking about a specific topic and there's so many things that come up and, and rise out of that, that lead you down those little side paths. Uh, certainly I can think of any number of live streams where, uh, you know, we take a, take a five minute break for people to 
go get a drink or whatever. And uh, in the interim, I, I recall the conversation we ended up having about Mortis, uh, the Mortis arc with Trevor Beast. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that was exactly that type of thing. It wasn't the topic. We were just talking Clone Wars in general. Um, but, you know, it, it comes up, you take a break, uh, you know, so people start delving into that a little bit. Next thing you know, you've got a little bonus episode to throw out there for people. So um, it's why people are still talking about this stuff 43 years later. I know. And that's the amazing thing. I mean, you know, these stories kind of intertwine and uh, interconnect and uh, the spider webs go all over the place. Uh, you know, the the initial our initial talk with uh, when we started talking about the Empire Strikes Back uh, two episodes of years ago, um, you know, as soon as I stopped recording and listened to your to, to the show, I had other thoughts in my mind. Right. And hence uh, a part two. So it's it's definitely a really cool thing. I mean, to be able to talk about uh, many aspects of the story as it's presented to us, it's uh, it's just it, it's one of the wonderful reasons that I enjoy creating content for for sure. uh, fans of, of the scuttlebutt and obviously talking with you. It's uh, it's a really fantastic thing. And I, I love it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we, we start this episode by talking about Yoda and was it a mistake to place Ahsoka with Anakin? And certainly when you look at the outcome for Anakin, it would be pretty easy to say that certainly nothing that Ahsoka did saved him from himself, so it couldn't have been that big a success. But if you kind of flip and look at the other side of it, you couldn't find a bigger success potentially than Ahsoka and and the Jedi that she turned out to be, um, and really more than a Jedi, because she never did go back to the Order, although I think one of the things we saw in Clone Wars Season 7 was that she was still certainly toying around with the idea. Uh, she just never really got the opportunity to make that decision because the Order was, was taken away with Order 66. But, uh, you know, what she... And ends up becoming and what we see of her within star wars rebels is this light side force user uh who's so strong in the light side that she ends up kind of taking on morai that convoy that was associated with the daughter from that mortis arc that we uh that we'll get into at some point uh you know she arguably could be you know the the nexus of light side energy within the galaxy if you want to look at it that way and if if you read that into the mortis arc yeah, there's uh there's just a lot there, and uh, I I know we blew some minds, uh, Trevor included, uh, when we did talk about that uh, that stuff. It's uh it's just fascinating stuff. I mean, there's a lot of symbolism there. Uh, obviously, room for interpretation, but uh, that's uh, one of the reasons I love talking about that. Right, and I think that's certainly a topic that we need to get into, whether it's here on the Jedi Temple Archives or over on Scarif's Cuddlebutt, uh, to kind of dig into that Mortis trilogy, uh, that Mortis arc within Clone Wars, and uh, you know, determine whether that was the most pivotal moment. I mean, certainly it was an opportunity for Anakin to make a decision to, uh, you know, do something in service to the galaxy or do something in service to himself, and and we know which side he picked. Uh, so there was a certain selfishness there. Um, again, something that wasn't able to be driven out by this apprenticeship that uh, that Yoda manufactured with Ahsoka. I have another thought, another question for you regarding Yoda. Um, George Lucas had standing orders, uh, even when he sold uh, the franchise to Disney, uh, not to mess with Yoda's character. And I, I wanted to f uh, ask you, 
um, on your show why you think that is. Um, even through nine films, we still don't know a lot about Yoda's species or Yoda's history, what he was like. Um, we get a glimpse of him, obviously, as um, the child. I'm not saying he's Yoda, but right. we get a glimpse of his species in The Mandalorian. Um why do you think George, um, you know, left those orders uh, to to keep his his essence or his history a, a, a secret? And you know, I'll I'll, I'll add to that. Uh, obviously, you know, George Lucas created this entire universe and handed it over to uh, to Disney. But uh, even before the sale, I mean, do you think he had uh, certain plans for Yoda to tell that story or? What are your thoughts on on keeping that species uh, so hush hush? There's a part of me that that wishes that that it had been kept a secret because it was something that he really wanted to delve into with another project at a later date. Uh, the fact that it was something that remained a standing order when uh, Lucas sold everything to Disney um, uh, that kind of leads me down the path of believing that it was really more because he understood that uh, having some mystery in a particular character is something that will always generate interest about that character. Um, you know, the fact that people are still talk, talking about Yoda today and, and it, as we talked about earlier, you know, you raised the question of, is there a blind spot with Yoda in terms of not really being able to understand, understand humans as a species? Yes, he's long lived and he would have been able to pick things up over the course of the 800 plus years that he was around them. Uh, many of them within the Jedi order, but by the same token, uh, you know, that could be a cultural blind spot as a byproduct of, of his race. And we just don't know because we don't know anything about that species. We see Yoda, we see Yaddle, uh, who's just basically a butt in a seat uh, within the Jedi Council in Phantom Menace. And then now we have the child. I believe there was one other uh, member of Yoda's species, but um, I think that was within the comics. But uh, not knowing something about that leaves that big gap i mean people are going to theorize and uh and certainly there's a lot of that still going on yeah i just i i find that fascinating uh you know like i said you know i mean nine films in uh, a couple of series uh you know online series streaming series and uh we, we still don't know about it so uh i'm looking forward to you know long story short i'm looking forward to new star wars and new stories to wet our whistle and keep us going another 43 years right on wood yeah well and it's interesting right you got a character like boba fett that is this this character that's just kind of thrown in for a few scenes within empire strikes back i know that there was a time where lucas had bigger plans for the character of boba fett in terms of him potentially even being a main villain, but that's not what played out. And you have this character that uh, visually piqued everyone's interest to the point where not only did we learn more about Boba Fett, um, now we know about his father. Now we know about as a byproduct of that, the entire Mandalorian, uh, you know, kind of clan and, and culture. And to the point where we now have a, a show on Disney plus exploring, uh, you know, that particular topic of the Mandalorian. So, it clearly shows that you can have a, a bit character within a show uh, that can blow up into something that becomes a major thread within kind of the Star Wars mythos. And I know that, you know, when you talk about someone like Dominic Pace, who's coming out uh, that we're going to be seeing within two weeks here in Chicago, uh, you know, he's got this bounty hunter character and I don't blame him for kind of running with that. Um, it's, it's, 
it's one of those things. You never know who the next character is that's going to blow up and become someone that we really get to explore and that we really get to learn more about, uh, be it via comics or animated series or whatever the case may be. And, and that's why I think Star Wars has this long-term interest for so many people because there's there's so many roads you can go down there's so many things that uh you know we haven't even thought of that they could jump into and explore absolutely i mean that's a testament to the world building that uh george lucas uh you know created uh it's it's fantastic and i was just talking to uh you know heather and todd uh wstr how uh you know people are cosplaying the pink shorts uh boom guy from the original uh film so you know as as fans i think we pick apart we pick apart something that we love so deeply sometimes to a fault obviously but uh you know because we love it we we nurture it and uh we we pick it apart and talk about it and uh and like you said we just run with it so it's uh you know, it's, it's pleasant to see when it works out, not so pleasant when it doesn't, right. but, um, you know, we're, we're here for the star Wars shenanigans. Yes, absolutely. And you know, the, the one thing that I will say is whatever the reasoning was for Yoda assigning Ahsoka to Anakin within the clone wars. And I know there was a lot of, uh, you know, controversy about Ahsoka as a character early on within the clone wars, but I definitely think that, um, you know, it's a testament to the fact that they can sit there and create this integral character that if you've only seen the films, you don't know anything about. You don't know that Anakin had a Padawan. You don't understand her importance in terms of his overall story arc. Uh, but, you know, you've got this incredible character that you just love to to see new stories about. Um, and who, when you look at the end of season seven for the Clone Wars, uh, was part of one of the most emotional arcs. And she was actually part of two of them. When you look at her departure from the Jedi order, uh, and then carry that on into rebels and her confrontation with, uh, with Anakin there. Um, some of the most emotional moments in all of star Wars are tied back to that character. And it's a testament to the success of her, um, whatever the initial, uh, motivation was for, for bringing her in. Absolutely. I totally agree. Well, I think as far as Ahsoka goes, we have kind of picked apart <laughs> everything there is to to talk about with regard to uh, to Yoda and his involvement with her. Um, uh, you know, there's so many there's so many places where she's tied into the overall storyline. Uh, you know, Yoda kind of kind of uh, hands her off to Anakin, and uh, then from that point on, you know, she is uh, she's present in scenarios where Yoda is present, but there's not a lot of direct interaction between them. Um, but again, she's tied so thoroughly into the Clone Wars and into Star Wars Rebels um, that uh, it's definitely a character that has got uh, an, an, an unknown ending for us at this point. And uh, I'm hopeful that we get to see more of her in the future. Absolutely. I can't wait for The Mandalorian Season 2. Hopefully we get to see a lot more of Ahsoka. Hopefully we get to see a lot of our friend Dominic Pace as well as the gecko bounty hunter. That would be fantastic. Um, That's my story. I like it. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it there. Ro, thank you so much for uh, coming on with us this evening and talking Ahsoka and Yoda. Um, Certainly two topics that we could talk about for hours, but uh, we're going to have to, we're going to have to pull the plug on it for this time around. And uh, we will look forward to having you on more in the future. Hey, I'm always happy to be here on the Jedi Temple Archives. You say that, Tom says that. So uh, I'm just going to have to take you at face value. Well, you keep asking us, so. Right. We keep coming. 
Right. It's always nice to have someone in that second seat. Uh, really, you kind of took the lead on uh, a lot of this discussion this evening, so I appreciate that. Uh, definitely, you had some some thoughts on it that you wanted to work through, and uh, that's what we're here to do. So uh, we will go ahead and call it there. Why don't you tell the listeners how they can find you and the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast? It would be my pleasure. If you don't know about the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast, what are you doing here? Uh, really, uh, it's a fun uh, podcast. We talk about Star Wars, uh, not unlike uh, yourself. Um, we are part of the Red 5 Network. You can find both of our podcasts and a lot of the rest of our family, our Red 5 family at Red 5, the number 5 network.com. Uh, just having fun creating some really quality content. And uh, one of the things that we love to do is engage with our followers and engage with our listeners. So if you follow us on Twitter, make sure that uh, you tag us. Ask us a question or uh, interact with uh, a lot of our posts because that is, I think, the secret to uh, us, uh, you know, providing a lot of fun stuff for you guys. So uh, we are Scare of Podcast available on podcatchers everywhere, iTunes, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Podcast.com. We are like a bad penny. We turn up everywhere. So <laughs> thank you very much, Rob, for uh having me on and uh talking about uh all things star wars we love it yeah it's always a good time uh certainly the the red five network that roe has put together is definitely a great group uh truly family in every sense of the word that matters um a lot of different people a lot of different uh takes on star wars a lot of different areas they like to explore uh but ultimately when we all get together in our group chat and uh, and talk things everyone is respectful of others opinions and really that's what you know uh, we've talked about this before i know uh scarif has been uh deemed to be kind of the switzerland of podcasts that you take all opinions <laughs> right uh, and we have tried to do the same thing here at the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. You know, Tom and I don't always agree on things. Certainly, we've had other conversations with other people who have their own take on things. And, uh, you know, everyone's got their read on it. There's no right or wrong within Star Wars. A lot of this is just how you interpret things. And, uh, you know, it's it's always interesting. It's those conflicting um, theories that uh, open your mind to new possibilities and lead you down those uh, those roads that you maybe haven't explored yet. So uh, as far as us here on the Jedi Temple Archives podcast, also, you can find us anywhere that podcasts can be had. Uh, if you like to listen on a podcatcher that you cannot find us on, let me know. Uh, shoot me a message at jtapodcast at gmail.com and I will make sure we get added there. Uh, also, you can reach us out on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at JTA Podcast. And uh, we always love interacting with our, our listeners. So uh, Twitter is the most likely place to find us. Uh, and uh, if you're looking for other Star Wars content, definitely check out other members of the Red 5 Network um, via either the website or through uh, their individual tags out on Twitter. So uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap it. Thank you guys all for spending some time with Ro and I talking Star Wars. And may the Force be with you. Mm -hmm.